Hello, and welcome to Leading Ladies of Montana Real Estate, a show about buying and selling homes in Montana and the power realtors and power lenders that make that happen. We are your hosts, Colleen Wood. And I'm Alicia Retz. Each week, we will discuss the housing market, how to navigate it, and what questions you need to be asking yourself along the way. But that's not all. We will also dive into how to navigate the ins and outs of being leaders in business and how to build a robust and dynamic team within that business and navigating the world as a career-driven professional, all while raising a family. Join us as we share our highs and lows in real estate, business ownership, and motherhood. All right, we are back today with our friend Charlotte Durham. Yay, I'm so excited she's back. I am too. We loved having you on last time and all your insight. We really appreciate it and glad you're here. Thank you so much for having me. This is so fun. I'm so glad you're happy with it. (laughs) All right, so today we're talking about intuition. We're talking about that sixth sense that we have as women. And we've kind of touched on it in the past and now we're gonna dive real deep into it. So we have great gut instincts, ladies. Yeah, we really do. And I think it's sometimes we can question our gut. And even though you just feel it, and last time you were here, you talked about the heaviness when you, it just doesn't quite feel right. And the more you become yourself, how right. freer you are. And when you just trust yourself. Right. And every time I've had a gut decision, like a gut instinct, and I didn't follow it, I regretted it. And I knew what the decision yes. was from the very beginning. Don't you feel like this real marrying or understanding of what our instinctual guides are, are coming on stronger and with more confidence as we get older? Yes, that is for sure. And I think we're probably such logical people that we can reason our way out of in any direction we want. Right. But we need to stop ignoring our intuition. Right. So I've had a question for you since you had such a thriving individual business that was you with Charlotte and company. Was it Charlotte? Charlotte Charlotte Co. Co. Charlotte Co. That's it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then to make such a big move to Sotheby's What was your instinct there? Like, how did you trust your gut to make such a big move? That was a very hard decision. But as I started doing more and more luxury, and I am younger in the industry for our market, I started realizing that I was coming up against people with, you know, an international real estate company that were talking about how they could get their people's properties listed and marketed globally. And for me, I was really focusing on this being a luxury brand. And I thought if I'm really going to compete with some of these, I'm kind of the local shop sure. compared to some of these international real estate companies. Also, I need to just focus on selling and not the marketing and all the aspects of running my own business as Charlotte & Co. So it was a big decision, but it was a really good decision. I could go back to just focusing on my clients and giving them an amazing experience and lean on Sotheby's, a proven brand with amazing marketing capabilities, the support of the people around me to help me with that stuff. So I could just focus on giving a good client experience and push the fact that I could also market your property globally right? through the auction houses online, through a number of amazing resources. So it was hard because I went from 100% commission Charlotte and Co. back to, you know, a broker model. So I was wondering, did your margins get hurt at all with the change? Because there's a lot of operating expenses owning your own business, even though it is 100%. Mm -hmm. But now you have to pay, I'm sure, something to them a month or uh, per transaction, whatever. So were your margins hurt at all doing that? I mean, I definitely make less per deal, but I do so much more business now that I'm with Sotheby's. And I was at a point where my business was really growing. The market was really growing. And then I made this transition to Sotheby's. So I don't think it was just Sotheby's, but it was a compilation of things. But I'm so glad I 
trusted my gut. And logically, a lot of people around me were like, what are you doing? You have such a cool brand and you've made such a, Charlotte & Co's made such a- said. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Charlotte & Co's made such a name for itself. And a lot of people questioned it, but in my gut, it just told me that I needed to, again, think of it not as a scarcity thing or as an expense because I am giving a portion of my every deal to Sotheby's, but how much am I going to be able to grow and how much is going to be able to be taken off my plate so I can focus on selling and growing my business. So yeah, per deal, I make less, but I do right. way more business. You know, it's that whole concept of 100% of a grape versus a quarter of a watermelon. Right. And, you know, that's something that's a lesson that you learn as we continue to especially to grow our teams is it's like, you know, I'm the same boat. I make less on a deal than I used to when I was just an office of one. Right. But, you know, it's getting comfortable with knowing that you're going to kind of slowly walk down your compensation because you have people to pay and expenses to pay. But the volume that you can do in, in relation to that is huge. So when you were making that decision, how did you know? Was it, was it a feeling or was it a, was it a stirring or like something in the middle of the night? Or, or did how, you did, you, how did you just cons? know? Yeah. How did you know at which company? Because you had a lot, of, a lot of brokerages that were vying for your attention. Yeah, it was... Um, I lost a listing and it, I don't usually lose listings ever. And it just, it hurt me to the core. It was this amazing property in Bridger Canyon. And I I always like to ask someone if I don't win a listing, you know, what was it? I always can use constructive feedback. Is there something I could have done differently? Mm -hmm. And he told me, you are great. Your marketing stood out compared to everyone. We were probably the most impressed with you, but we just don't understand how you are a local shop could compete with a Christie's or a national brand. Sure. And that alone was a trigger for me. Mm -hmm. If I could lose one listing because of that, how many luxury listings would that become an issue? And I don't even want, I didn't even want that to become a a conversation. I don't want to talk about that again. No. So it kind of was an easy decision for me after Mm -hmm. that. I was sad. I had to mourn the brand and my Mm -hmm. strong identity I created around Charlotte (laughs) and co, but no, it's, it's been a really great thing. Um, Colleen, you went through the same thing when you moved. How was, how did you make that decision? When I moved companies? Yeah. Oh gosh. I think that was just a, a circling back to being true to yourself because with the previous company, I was one of like 10,000 people. And I, this new company, we became one of 700 people. And it really felt more true to who I was to actually have some, have the company I worked for know who I was to know what I was trying to create, to know what they were supporting. And, you know, with all of this growth, like it's a fish hook, right? You're going to go downwards when I'm, I've hired a team capable of closing between 60 and 70 units a month. Well, in order to do that, when you're starting with, you know, 30, 35, 40 units a month, you know, you have too many people. So I needed to be able to have a company that was going to believe into who I was and what I was trying to create and was invested in what I was trying to create so that now we can go up the fish hook and we're ready. We're ready. We're ready for all of it. And that took a lot of investment for them. And that was never going to happen for a larger company. It really, truly was a moment that I had had a conversation with my SVP at the time. And I had said, you know, this is what you know, this, I had told him, well, this is what I wanted to do. And then later on in the conversation, he was like, you know, there's these people that get all this coaching and they just think that they can, you know, they can just have a million dollars, have a million dollar W2. And they just, every time that they need something done, they just hire somebody to do it instead of doing it all themselves. And that's not what we do. And I said, you literally just spelled out my business plan. 
and you and I are no longer on the same right. page. You talk about highest and best use. Highest often. and best use. Like where are, what is your highest and best use so that your whole team can be super successful? Right. My yeah. highest and best use is not going to get the mail. Right. You know, it's not, that's not my highest and best use. And so I hire somebody to get the mail and it's okay. It's okay because you're giving somebody a career that can get the mail, that can, you know, answer the phone, that can manage the scheduling, that can do all those stuff. And, you know, my, my person that has, that started out as an admin assistant was just promoted to an executive assistant because she's gotten, she's grown into that role so much that now she has a, a, a real career with a real salary and, and it, and it's a good thing. So it's been very beneficial to, to follow my gut on that. It's awful as it has been and as many, you know, you cry tears when you're making these big decisions. And that generally is when you know you really do need to make a change. That's so true. I think, you know, we try to go through the logic again, but I just knew in my gut that there was something bigger on the horizon. And I knew in my gut that I could just spend more time with my clients and give them a more catered experience by just focusing on them and not running my own business but also creating more quality of life for myself instead of trying to do it all. Yeah. Um, I had a proven proven track record of a company that I could align with. Yeah. It's so true. We can't do it all. And we've talked about even hiring a cleaner or you got, I haven't done this yet, but get someone to do your laundry. Things, anything that you can offset so that you can spend more time with your family and friends and your business, the better. But there's like a lot of logical things. Like Charlotte's talking about the logistics behind it. Because you think of bringing up something that's so simple as having somebody help you with your laundry, which I really wrestled with because the logistics behind it were I've always done my laundry. I'm capable of doing my laundry. I can do my laundry. And, you know, who the hell do I think I am by having somebody do my laundry? You know, the, the logistic behind it. But then my gut told me, but I'm angry when I'm home doing my laundry. And not hanging out with my family. I'm not hanging out with my family. I'm ripping around like a total bitch. And I, <laughs> mm-hmm. th- like I, this was consistently my response. And now I've learned that there were some hormonal issues going on there too. And that can definitely <laughs> contributed to that. <laughs> right, right. So, but I mean, you know, you need to be able to just follow your gut and be able to say, I feel that I would be a nicer wife and mother if I wasn't picking through people's pockets and matching all their goddamn socks. Right? <laughs> and you know? I think where it goes back to, again, as women, we think we're supposed to do it all. We're supposed to be, you know, take care of the house. We're supposed to be the mom and have the career. We're supposed to do all of those things. Take care things. of your husbands, all yeah, of it. We're supposed to do all those things. And the sense of guilt that comes with, I think, us, you know, in the place we are in our career too, we like to do it all. We don't want to ask for help. We don't want others to have to help us. And we feel such guilt when we start outsourcing things, stuff to help our lives. But that's so silly. I think that society has put that on us because it doesn't match up with our female role in society. I've gotten over that. <laughs> I, and I have Good. too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have too. Because you know what it means when we don't do that? It means more time with our family, more quality time with our family which is the number one priority. And also why, if we're working this hard to get to this place we want to be, we can't do it all. And why not, you know, have some help with all these things? Why do we work so hard then? Right. Yeah. What's exactly. the point? Yeah. Well, and you know, something that we actually are supposed to be doing in our families is actually nurturing our children exactly. and spending time with them, quality time, reading a book with them. Charlotte, you have a young baby at home holding her. I mean, as simple as that seems, I mean, I think about when my son was young about how much time I didn't have to hold him and just spend those cuddle times. I know, Alicia, you spend a lot of time cuddling your little girls. Oh, yeah. And it's really we important. Spend a, we spend a lot of time wrestling. Yes. That is so our jam. <laughs> I wanted to put hardware ev- or hardwood floors ever in our house, but we kept carpet in the bedrooms just for wrestling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, or if we, we, that's like 
such a big thing for us every night. We just wrestle and right. we want them to be tough, tough, strong women. And it's something that I love being able to do that with them every night. Well, my son is older. You know, he's 13 now. Oh, he would kick my butt. And, but wrestling. He, yeah, he would kick your butt. He's about your size because yeah, she's this no. tall. Um, and he's got a size like 12 foot already. 13. Uh, wow. Yeah. But, you know, we're supposed to be nurturing and I, it took me longer. I mean, we're all about the same age, but I, you know, I had my son earlier in my, in my life. So I had all of those young years that Charlotte's going through right now that you're going through Alicia now that I was not nurturing. I was doing all this stuff. And I literally remember my son brought it up the other day. He's like, you know, remember that year, mom, that you literally screamed at me every single morning on the way to school. Uh And he's not wrong. He's not wrong. I was always late, always having to deal with somebody else's schedule, you know, always having to report to somebody else at eight o'clock in the morning and, you know, having just things that happen in the morning when you're trying to get ready and, you know, you put your kid's shoes on and they kick it off. You're probably dealing with, I was going to send you a message (laughs) to be like, you need these little baby shoes and they won't kick them off. You know, so it wasn't nurturing. I was just existing. And so if you talk about, you know, what women are supposed to be doing, we're supposed to be there and available for our family, both physically and emotionally. And I wasn't there. And so if having some sort of help in that makes you more present with your family, then good for you. Totally. I have a question, Charlotte, for you with your family. You guys are developing, you guys are one of the biggest developers in Bozeman as well. Your husband is. (laughs) So how, like, how, one, how much are you involved? The gut instinct in that. Yeah. How much does that play? Because you're doing some really cool things in Bozeman and I know Big Sky. And how much do you talk about it at home? Yeah. Like how much are you involved in the gut just to know this is the right thing? Or is that just a paper, pencil? you guys own several on? restaurants. Yeah. Several bars. Yes. Yeah, so talk to us a little bit about that. So... That's a great question. I feel really, oh God, I feel so lucky that my husband and I, or that I have my husband, to be honest, he's a saint. You know, I feel we like- We went to high school together. So I told, I oh, know Casey, he's yeah. such a good guy. He is. Yeah. And I think he he's my sounding board for sure. I think I more naturally just want to talk about it all and get it out for my end of the day. He's different. When he comes home, he doesn't want to talk about work, but we do have so much going on. And, and back to how you're saying you were existing, mm-hmm. that- you know, we, we start to find ourselves wrapping up in that of we're just going a million miles an hour all the time, living a reactive life. And that is just something I don't want to do. We're both cognizant of it. So I think that's really good. And we're trying to just, when we get home, we put our phones away for two hours. Wow, good. And and just be with Camilla because it's so easy to just, we between all the stuff he has going on and myself, it's easy to just, your phone's dinging, you know, you're half with your baby and half into work and I think that I envision a call center at Charlotte's house. <laughs> <laughs> like we can't do that. We just have to draw those hard lines. Otherwise you will be just existing and trusting your gut. You know, I'm at a point in my career now too, that if someone doesn't want to work with me, cause I didn't answer them for that two hour period. Well, then they probably weren't a great person to work. They're going to run you around for the entire time exactly. working with them. You don't want to work with them. And, and, and we always think that, well, if I'm not, I don't have my phone, I'm going to miss a deal. Has that really ever happened? No. Right? Right. It, it's such I think a, maybe one buyer that I didn't respond to within 15 minutes had already called somebody else, but for the most part, no. Here's no. something. Yeah. And, and, I, and we, sorry, I want to oh, say you this go really ahead. quick is I think real estate's such a new industry in general that, you know, doctors and nurses, that's all lined out. Like a lot of yeah. these industries have been around forever. But you always think about it. Can you call your surgeon or your doctor directly no. and just ask them? Or your lawyer. Or your lawyer. Or, or accountant. Anything. Yeah. No. We're the only ones who are 24-7. Your yeah. 7-Eleven convenience store. Yep. And, and I, it's not sexy. It's right. not. And I've realized when I trust my gut and just be with my family, which is priority, 
a lot of people that I work with respect me more. Yeah. Because I, I will say, I'm sorry, I didn't have my phone. That's the time I spend with my family one-on-one. Right. I've, 99% of the time people grow to respect you more because of that. Because you set boundaries. I found, because I do a lot of lower end stuff and I'll give so much to them. I'll actually mow their lawn. My dad will come and like wow. move furniture. Like I'll do some crazy, crazy stuff. And I found like the more I do for them, the less they respect me. Yeah. When you start setting the boundaries that, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm not available for these two hours because it's family time. They respect you more, not less. Exactly. You know, something that has come up and I've talked to my team about it a lot is that you guys as realtors, you guys are still working on the weekends and you're, you know, you're, you're dealing with some nighttime stuff and some things like that. And I know Charlotte and I have talked about this in the past as our careers have changed and, you know, the expectation of realtors for lenders to also work the same hours that they're working. But what I've learned and I talked to a lot of people about it because my gut told me that I wasn't supposed to be talking to people on Saturdays or on Sunday nights Mm -hmm. or on Friday nights at 9 p.m. And my gut told me not to do that. And I got judged a lot by a lot of realtors who said, I need you to be able to be available. And I followed my gut on it. And every single time that I have stepped out of that and I've said, okay, just for this one client, I'm going to do this application on Saturday morning instead of doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Every single time. Those are the clients that will use you and abuse you. And when you quote a rate, they want it lower and they want it for free. I've got one right now that I did the application for him on Saturday because it was a realtor that mattered to me and a lot. And I did the application on Saturday. He went under contract Saturday afternoon. We got everything going. Got It was a long escrow period. Got within 30 days of close. And I'm quoting him rates. And I'm quoting rates that are like literally I'm writing personal checks in order to give him the best rate possible. Is this... this no. Because no. <laughs> I just gave No, it's one. not your client. And you guys went so far above and beyond. You guys crushed it. Thank you yeah. so much. And I didn't well, know he was shopping. Yeah. Yeah. But this guy all the way through our all of our work, you know, he's he's saying, Well, I'm shopping, well, I'm shopping. It's like, well, and I've told him several times, like, I need you to commit either direction because the resources of my office are going to stop until you can make a direction because I don't get paid until we actually take this to closing. And in the meantime, I'm incurring costs in paying people's wages and paying for appraisals and all the other things that go into the cost of doing things. Well, it came time to lock his loan and he wanted lower and lower and lower. And he was pulling stuff off a bank rate and everything. And it was not correct, not market, not his scenario, but whatever. And then he was threatening to leave. And so I ended up literally getting paid absolutely zero to keep this guy. And he's continued to abuse my team the entire time. And so that's what I'm saying is that, you know, we're going to get that to the closing table and we're going to get it done. And I called the realtor and let her know that what's going on. And she's like, you got 100% of my business. So if that's what we gain out of it is we get 100% of her business, then sweet. But at the same time, you know, following your gut. And if, if your rules at your house is that you shut your phone off for two hours at night, don't step out of that because people that expect you to cut into that when you have set guidelines and boundaries for yourself, when you know that you need to be somebody's mama and somebody's wife for those two hours, those are the people that are going to abuse you. Right. And we have to give back commissions sometimes with inspections or something. But every time I've taken a lower commission to get the listing, those are again, the ones who take advantage. They're the least appreciative of your work. And when you, and you talked to me about this when we met, those higher end clients, they value you. And when you get the full commission, they never complain about it. And they really see your worth when you know what your worth is and ask for it. Exactly. And I was thinking about that as you were speaking, Colleen, of, you know, I, when I was new in the business, I would lower my commission quite a bit to get the deal because I was new and I, I wanted and needed the business. But as my career's evolved, 
I've learned so much that it's kind of foolproof. If people are trying to get you down on your commission, then they're going to be difficult to work with the whole Mm -hmm. way through. And the funny thing is, is you would never go get your hair cut or go to your surgeon. No. You know, or your CPA or your attorney and say, oh, that's, that's your rate. But actually, how do you feel about this rate? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just crazy, you know? And, and I think I've gotten to a role part of me where I trust my gut. And a lot of the times when I say, no, I'm not reducing my commission, a lot of times people have that respect and they're saying, well, we see senior track record. We see what you do for other people. We're just going to go with it then. But I think that's something to to point out in, in real estate is if people are trying to get you down and, you know, you need to trust your gut up front. You need mm-hmm. to set strong yes. expectations for people. Mm-hmm. And if they're not going to value your worth and, mm-hmm. and you have a kind of an icky feeling in your gut, mm-hmm. time and time again has proven me I need to trust that and stick right. to my guns or move along. Every client right. I've ever had where the first meeting, I'm like, oh, they're going to be awful. Even though they're nice. And oftentimes I bring like either my assistant or one of my buyer's agents with me on the listing agreement. Appointment. Appointment, yeah. Mm-hmm. And Wherever that is. Yeah, exactly. And they'll, um, <laughs> And they're like, oh, I thought they were great. And I'm like, you wait, this you person, wait. I, I could see the crazy in their eyes. And I'm getting so much better at not taking those listings or not taking them on or passing them on to somebody else because right. they are not worth it. Those are the ones you lose sleep over at night right. and make you exactly. sick. And there, we talked about how the, when they get so angry and emotional and you can't help but just take it on yourself. Oh, right. you can't. Yeah. And I, it, that's something that takes practice over the years of trying to get over that because I feel other people's emotions so much that when they're mad at me, I let them run around in my head, but that just reminds me, you know, we, we let people control our emotions and run around in our head, but we would never let someone walk up to us and like touch our body or mess with us. So why do we let someone consume us? That's a great analogy. Yeah, like don't let them, that's too private. They don't get to run around inside of you. I your like head. that a lot. I'm going to remember that. And you know, I that, think, hold on to that one. I think the only thing that's different between realtors and lenders is because I rely so much on the realtor relationship. If one of you gives me a transaction and it's say, you know, a 60 day transaction and I guide the client that we're going to wait until we're, you know, you want the best rate. We're going to wait until within 30 days of closing in order to lock to get you the best rate. And then suddenly I can't give them the best rate then they go and take pack up the whole deal and they take it to an online lender and then you guys are dying inside. Oh, because we hate out-of-state lenders. You're just dying. Worse. You're dying inside and then you think that I couldn't drop the ball and maybe I'm too expensive. And it's not just the client relationship. It's the realtor relationship for me that, you know, for that particular transaction, I know that, I'm, that I garnered that realtor's trust in business and because... And I know that she's going to trust me going forward. So that's mm-hmm. that's great. So I'm happy about that. But no, I shouldn't have taken the damn application on Saturday because I never do that. <laughs> Ever. Right? Ever. And I swear, every time your gut's telling you not to, you right. will later on be like, I should have trusted my gut. I knew. Yep. I knew the right answer. You know, and how about for employees? How about when you're in a meeting? Because this is something that has happened to me very recently. So we'll talk about it. You know, being in a meeting with your team and not feeling full buy-in from one person. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like everyone else is like, yeah, yeah. And then you feel, you can feel their hesitation. You can feel the the, the pause in their eyes or the just anything like that. You you guys have had that happen to you. And then you can also feel like that's maybe like, permeating through the other people as well. Exactly. They yes. pick up on that mm-hmm. energy. And, they, and do. they do. They totally do. Especially especially us ladies. Yeah. Right. We can feel it. And I think it's so important to have that conversation right away and not just hope that 
that will go away and just pull that person inside and say, look, or is everything okay? Because also could be something personal in their mm-hmm. life that has nothing to even do with work. That's why it's important to me to create really strong bonds within my team where we have the comfort level to be like, hey, what's right. going on? Or is everything okay? Mm-hmm. Where they're, they know that that's normal and okay for us to talk about stuff. How about if you've asked the question and you've had the conversation like, hey, what's going on? Is everything okay? And they're like, oh, I just had a hard weekend. And you know, that's not the truth. Mm-hmm. And like, how much further do you dig you as an employer? Right. Because you can't be like, you, you go to somebody, you're talking about your, your intuition and your feelings, which then somehow crosses a little bit of a line of, are you, are you bantering them? Are you, you know, are you being too aggressive to them? Are you, you know, talking about, I just feel like, you know, I don't have buy-in from you. I think it's totally okay to have those conversations, especially mm-hmm. you have to get people that are invested in you and the team. And if that right. energy keeps happening in the team, and I've had that recently, where it's just like, look, I am so sorry you know, I'm happy to talk about business or personal with you if I can help in any way. Right. But your energy where you're at right now is causing a negative effect within the team. Whether mm-hmm. you realize it or not, we can feel it. Mm-hmm. And I've never had a bad experience by saying that to someone. It's like usually kind of an eye opener to some people like, wow, mm-hmm. it's uh, what I have going on is really permeating because that can exist. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, that can be like a cancer to your whole thing. Yeah, yeah, it can. It, and it just sits there and bubbles. And I find in a meeting situation, like you're trying to, and I hope I'm not the only one on this, but you're trying to be a leader. You're coming to the table and it's generally early in the morning and you might not fully have your giddy up on, but you're, you're trying to lead and then you feel the eyes. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly you're not looking at everybody when you're talking. You're like looking, you just you feel like everyone's feel, mad at you or feel something. like everybody's yeah. mad at you and you don't know what the hell you're talking about and, and they're the judging you is, so yeah. and like, like all oh, the things I'm and you're trying to be bridge, brilliant. Yeah. And it's just one person and right. you can feel it. This happened to me multiple times and multiple times I have let it simmer in my office too long and I need to learn this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's, this is kind of a, aggressive saying, but it's always sat well with me. Like if you're, if you're committing to the team and you're a player, like I want this to be a lifetime opportunity together. But I think we need to remember that you need to be slow to hire Mm -hmm. and quick to fire. Unfortunately, Mm -hmm. I mean, you can't let that fester within your team because it could create a problem for more than just that person. Mm -hmm. And it kills motivation for the day Mm-hmm. And the goals and everything. So that's a big criteria of joining my team is having, you know, a positive can-do attitude. Right. Otherwise, it, it can be soul-sucking sometimes. It's yeah. amazing how, how their attitudes can change and morph, though. You know, and so you, yeah, I was going to say, have you guys seen it change when you have that negative attitude? Oh, yeah. You have seen a flip. You have oh, seen yeah, a switch. Absolutely. Okay. Um, starting out with full buy-in, having good energy and all about it, and then having no, it kind No, I was going to say the other way. way. Yeah. Oh, the so other way. So when it's negative and you're down, have you seen them really turn, turn away? No, never. Never. I've yeah. never been able to convince them to get back on, on board, and I've just let it hang too long. Um I've seen it. feeling of more scarcity and of replacing him. Right. I think that I've seen it happen once, but it was a reversal for a week or so. That's what I've I've seen too. That's when I'm like, if I would have just trusted my damn gut Mm -hmm. and known that this isn't something I can fundamentally change in something, someone, or nor should I have to, but would have just trusted my gut, I should have known that that was the right decision. And no fault of the team member, you know, maybe they're going through some crazy stuff in their personal life and they're just not at a 
time in their life where they can contribute positively and effectively to the or team. Or maybe it is us as leaders that it's just not yeah. a right fit. Exactly. Like maybe, um, yeah, being a female with leaders of men can be hard or just whatever the thing is. I have super high energy and I like to be goofy. Right. And, you know, if someone's more serious and that just doesn't work for them, that's fine, mm-hmm. but just might not be a good fit for right. our, and that's, our team. And that's something I'm learning too. You know, having a team to me is so still so new in the last couple of years that I used to think, okay, are they a good fit for this written position here on this paper? Are they going to be able to execute? But sometimes we forget that it also needs to be a good fit emotionally. Emo- and, yeah. yeah. Are you, yeah. are we able to get along? Do our personalities click together? All those things need to be taken into right. account because someone could be phenomenal at their job, but we don't mesh well as a team. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I think we have to look at both of that. Right, yeah. right. The other thing you mentioned, slow to hire and quick to fire. In a market where the guidance is saying being quick to hire because it's hard to get a human mm-hmm. right now and very slow to fire. Like we need you. We can't find anybody scarce. else. You can't find anybody yeah. else. And what if they sue you? And it's like, you know, it's definitely an employee's market instead of an employer's market. For and sure. I do still think that we still need to still hold the line with being slow to hire and quick to fire because the culture of our team and the health of our team is more important than whatever we're being told is going on because I'm not having any problem hiring. Mm -hmm. Right. I have more people coming than I know really what to do with sometimes. And I've been very grateful for that, but I don't know. I don't have the hiring issue. So slow to hire, quick to fire, but maybe not quick enough (laughs) on some of these old dogs that needed to go. And it's so hard, right? Because we do form such strong relationships with people and it's not something we get excited about doing. Having to let someone go is probably one of the worst things I've ever had to do because of that personal connection and everything. But I think too, something I've realized is if we say this isn't, you know, making clear, this is not personal decision. You know, this is a business decision. That feels kind of personal. It does. (laughs) It It feels very personal. And that's why I've started calling that out more. Yeah. Like this is not personal at all. This is Mm -hmm. purely a business decision because that's the truth. It is. I might really like someone that I. Right. We can go have cocktails. Right. But we can't work together. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm such a people pleaser. It's really hard for me. I want everyone to like me and be my friend and being a leader. You have to draw a line in the sound sometimes. And this conversation I had with my husband for like an hour last night. I need to own that I'm a leader and this is my job and this is my career and my name that I'm putting out there with all these people. Right. And it's, it's hard to do, but trusting your gut from the beginning makes things a lot easier. It is. And why would we doubt ourselves like right. look at what we've built for exactly. ourselves and our places that's because exactly. we're nerds right. <laughs> you know I don't know what you're talking yeah. about I doubt myself all the time right. even, <laughs> even though we've quote unquote made it yeah in terms of our goals right we still feel like we're imposters yeah, completely. of some sort that's exactly yeah. the conversation yeah. I had with my husband last night it's like I've earned the right to create the team I want and be the leader I want to be we've we've earned that and we've proven it but yet still it's so hard to put in action it is because Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was sorry. just going to say, I think too, it goes back to being a successful woman. Sometimes we think if we let someone go, well, what is everyone else going to say? Are they going to call us? Yes. Up, think we're a Although, bitch. Exactly. <laughs> but also no one's really cares about us. Everyone is so involved in their own worlds. No, they they're don't not care. even really paying Isn't attention. That funny? They no. don't care. Exactly. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. but there's like a feeling of like, you know it in your gut, you're feeling it. But then the imposter syndrome comes in or this the feeling of, of inadequacy or feeling like you don't necessarily deserve to be into that role to be like, 
am I being too sensitive? Am I, you know, not picking up on what they need or whatever? And then, you know, you reach out to HR and they're like, have you had three meetings? Have you documented everything? <laughs> and then, you know, so I recently had a conversation with somebody that I ended up, um, yeah, we ended up parting ways. And it was the conversation was, I need you to get on board with our team. I need you to completely buy into the things that we're doing and be here to show up for your team. And she was unwilling, unwilling to do that. And, you know, but it was a very difficult HR situation to try to put a peg on what the issue is because it wasn't lack of performance. It wasn't lack of doing things like, like showing up on time. Right. It wasn't, like it wasn't a measurable right. something that you, that you can actually put a pin in. It was things of just like not showing up for, you know, not showing up for me or leaving early for meetings or being on your phone during meetings or just sighing or eye rolling or some of these stupid things that just seem so minuscule, but they do, they, and they really start tipping that intuition button and that gut feeling of like, this is not working. This is just not working. So yeah. Well, thank you, ladies. I appreciate you. And my gut says you guys are awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Ditto. Thank you for joining us today. Tune in next week for another episode of Leading Ladies of Montana Real Estate.